Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. You are the greatest. You know, you are pretty funny. You are spectacular. You're doing a great job. I'm proud of you. Every man wants his children to be better than he was. You are. Welcome to the big leagues. You're a champion. I'm Jim Burns. How would you describe the way you parent your kids? Are you a coach or a cheerleader? My guest today on Homeward believes that how you answer this question could dictate whether or not your kids will develop a healthy sense of self-respect. Jill Rigby is back on the program again today. She's the author of the book, Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World, and she's here to help us do all that we can to raise respectful, God-honoring kids. Raising Respectful Children is our theme today on Homeward, so stay tuned. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University. Whatever the whole world is deciding to do, I went against it. You know, if she's lying to him when he's six, he is not going to listen to her when he's 16. Kids today struggle with being respectful. I hate someone had to write this book. Parents say are fighting the culture. you got to show me, God. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today is day two of a continuing conversation. We've been talking about raising respectful children. Jill Rigby is with us. She's written a book called Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? As a parent, you know that that is probably how your heart feels right now. Jill is an accomplished author and a speaker and a columnist, television radio personality, CEO of Manners of the Heart, all the way from Louisiana. So it's wonderful to have here in our studio uh, somebody from Louisiana. Welcome back. (laughs) Well, thank you. Glad to be here. You know, we were talking before, and I love your thank you. I just think it, you know, it says, thank, thank, I can't even pronounce it. Although when I go to the South to speak, mm-hmm. I do start saying y'all and things like that. It just picks it, picks it right up. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. We like so, to rub off on people. Right. I need to learn a little bit more. Yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. Probably. So you're going to have to teach us through some of that. You know, Jill, we were talking in the last program about the fact that kids today struggle with being respectful. Mm-hmm. And really it's a character issue. Parents say are fighting a culture, not just yeah. in the fact that they struggle with it, but the culture basically is saying something so different. Talk about the mm-hmm. battle that they face mm-hmm. with this culture. Um, that's I, I love this question because when I come down to making decisions all along the way, it, in a personal way with my own sons, when I would you know hit a, a stumbling place and say, okay, well, it seems everyone is allowing this, but that rubs me wrong I don't think we need to allow this activity like sixth grade I remember in sixth grade uh they wanted to do the boy girl thing in sixth grade and I wasn't ready for that yet I thought not sixth grade no 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 and sixth grade is is the most pivotal year in a child's life anyway and I've taught sixth grade for 13 years and sixth grade is they come in as children and they go out as teenagers and they need to be left alone they don't need to become a teenager. They need to be left alone in that year. And so I really had a struggle with it. And in that particular decision, I still remember that all those years ago, that's when I really got down and studied and prayed and said, okay, you got to show me, God, because we're just entering into 
when we're at sixth grade, here comes the big tough stuff. What do we, how do I make these decisions in the future with my sons? And what he showed me very clearly, and it proved to be the right way to go. Generally, whatever the whole world is deciding to do, I went against it. I felt like, okay, they're much safer. I'm probably going to get closer to doing it the right way if everybody else is saying to do it the other way. Because our culture, how unfortunate it is. I mean, I really hate that I had to write this book. Mm To be real frank, I hate someone had to write this book. We shouldn't have to write this book. We shouldn't have to be dealing with these issues that we are. But unfortunately, we do have a disrespectful world. And the best way to counter it, just in a simplistic answer, is go against what the flow is. And you're probably going to come closer to doing the right thing. Isn't that an interesting answer? It's sad, (laughs) but true. I know. Um, You talk about in your book, if you're going to encourage kids to have much more of a respectful attitude, Mm -hmm. that as a parent, we coach not cheerlead. What's what's the difference? I oh, love this question, too. Um, let me give you a little story to illustrate this. Johnny is seven years old. He comes off the, the field. You know, he's been playing baseball, a little baseball game. Comes off the field. He missed the fly ball and struck out twice. Comes off the field. You can Mom, tell you're a mother of boys, by the way. Oh, I'm sure. Because you already got that down. <laughs> you, you, you know about the fly balls and things. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, I, know, I know about it. We did all the sports. I yep. know about that. So, you know, you get you squat down, and, you know, Mama gets down there, I buy a ball, and she says, oh, Johnny. You're the best player on the team. If everybody on the team played like you did, Johnny, we'd have the best team in the league. Well, Johnny is looking at Mama saying, <laughs> okay, how can my – and here's the devastation. The, the serious side of this, he's looking at his mother, and he's just found out his mother can look him eye to eye and lie to lie. him. <laughs> Problem. You know, if she's lying to him when he's six, he is not going to listen to her when he's 16. And the other part of that, the other trouble with this is that she, um, she's also told him, let him know that where he's thinking, okay, where was mom? Was she talking to a friend? Did she leave the game? Did she not even see what, did she not pay attention to me? Was she not watching me? Which is one of those soul questions children have to have answered is, Mm. are you watching me? And then here's the consequence of it. Every time we offer that false praise, which is what a cheerleader does, Mm -hmm. go, 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 go. But they can't teach the team how to make the goal. They can just say, go, go, go. And that's what mama was doing. Go, Johnny, go. She chips away at a piece of his ambition. That's what false praise does. That's why it is so damaging to children when we cheerlead them. And praise is important. Yes. Right kind of praise. Yes. But what you're saying is false praise when you're lying mm-hmm. to your kids. Yes. And because and, it's a lie. False what, praise. What, what would you have said to one of your twin boys if they mm-hmm. walked off the field, they'd had a bad day, they're still mm-hmm. your sons, you're still mm-hmm. proud of them. Yes. What would you have said to them? I would have gotten eye to eye, which, by the way, children listen when you're on their level. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so I get down. At, what I would have said is, oh, darling, well, that Louisiana darling. <laughs> I would have said, darling, mm, rough game, huh? And you would have seen that little head bob up and down in agreement. Mama saw me. She was with me. And I would have said, because I would have been watching, number one, boy, that fly ball just went up, it went up and out, didn't it? Man, I'm so saying, boy, you just couldn't connect with the bat today, huh, son? Mm-hmm. To let him know I was watching mm-hmm. and I was there mm-hmm. and I was with him in his mm-hmm. disappointment, which is so critically important. Then I would have said, you know what? I got an idea. How about I make some hamburgers and brownies this weekend and we'll call some of the older guys over and let's work on it for a while and i you know what i got a feeling if we keep working on it sooner or later i think Mm. you're going to get it one of my boys uh, loved the drums and finally i came in and got the drum set put it in on the far end of the house (laughs) and he started playing and i admit it was just racket it was racket in the beginning so i quickly got him lessons and let him start taking lessons and he got a little tape recorder you know to mimic and practice on and this went on for months, and it was it 
basically was racket. And I would, and he would come out. What do you think, Mom? What a terrible question. That's like the wife saying, "Honey, do you like my new haircut?" Right. And he said, "You know, so Mom, what are you thinking?" I said, "You know what? I think you're getting it." we got to keep working at it. Let's keep working at it, and we're, we're going to get there. We're going to get where you want to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell him he was the best, and he was the greatest, yeah. and it was awesome. You didn't tell him he was Ringo Starr No, the Beatles. Okay. No, I didn't. <laughs> and so after months passed, and one day he was up there practicing, and I went, oh, I kind of recognize that. Sounds like a drum solo from my era. And I, I went over there to see, thinking it was the tape, and it was boys. Wow. And I opened the door, and I said, boys and he dropped those sticks and he says mom i got it Uh, i can feel it mom and then i said yes you got it and what i was using was just think if i'd used false praise mm -hmm. somewhere along the way he would have said because this is the other part of false praise he would have said well if that's the best i can ever do why try great input we're going to take a break we're going to come right back i want to talk about setting boundaries and i want to go back to using discipline and not punishment more to come on homeward we're talking about raising respectful children with joe rigby roger well jim it's a great conversation today and of course this is a dialogue that was recorded a couple of years ago actually and it's so popular that we bring it around every once in a while just to remind people that it is possible to raise respectful children in a disrespectful world uh, more from dr jim burns and jill rigby on the other side of this break first i want to duck in here briefly and tell you about our recommended resources the final day we'll be recommending it but it, it ties in so perfectly with what we're talking about today nancy williams is a licensed therapist she's a life coach she's been a guest on this program before she's written an outstanding book for parents who are wondering how do i parent if you will my adult children we know how to do this when they're in elementary school middle school and high school what happens when they're in college and even as they get married and start families of their own do they really need us to be their parents well nancy answers questions like that and more in her book called secrets to parenting your adult child it's new from bethany house and it's our recommended resource today because it ties in so perfectly with the content of what we're talking about the goal of parenting is not to raise happy kids it's to raise responsible adults and Sometimes you have to put in a little more parenting effort than you might think when our kids are in their 20s and 30s. For more information about the book Secrets to Parenting Your Adult Child by Nancy Williams, you want to visit our online resource center. It's available wherever Christian books are sold from Bethany House Publishers. I'm Jim Burns with today's Homeward Snapshot. I know I blew it, but then I had to hear about it from Mom. Oh, that's always fun. Besides, you never know when nice mom or me mom is going to show up. <sighs> Seriously. I mean, it's bad enough that I got in trouble, but I'd rather be, like, grounded for another week just so I didn't have to sit through another one of her lectures. If you're a parent, you may not feel as though what you say to your children has much impact on them. Well, believe me, it does. When a child messes up, she's already going to be feeling a little down, so make sure she knows that it's what she did that upset you and that you're not rejecting her in the process. After all, we're trying to correct behavior without crushing character here. So choose wisely the words you use when interacting with your kids. The kind of relationship they have with you will determine the way they interact with everyone else they meet in this life. For a free copy of my tip sheet called 10 Ways to Correct Behavior Without Crushing Character, go to Homeward.com. I'm Jim Burns. When we give too much and expect too little, we're setting them up for a rebellion. Set boundaries without building walls. We have to have certain rules that are non-negotiable. A lot of times with discipline, people either get too rigid or they just let it go. Stop the screaming.
Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. Jill Rigby is with us. We're talking about Raising Respectful Children. Her book, again, is Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World. Very good practical advice today, Jill. Jill, right before the break, I mentioned the word boundaries. And Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there's some books on boundaries. And Mm -hmm. they've been bestsellers because we're trying to figure out how do you set boundaries. But you use a phrase that really intrigued me. And you had a great illustration about a principal from a local junior high there in Louisiana. Set boundaries without building walls. Mm Mm-hmm. Talk mm-hmm. about it. Yes, I'll 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 give our listeners the 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 story that you read, the illustration that you read. There was a um, a middle school, and they were um, they decided to take down uh, the fences around the playground because they yeah. felt like you know it was confining to the kids and wanted to make them feel like they had more space. Very interesting thing happened when they took down those fences around it. The kids huddled together in it toward one corner. Yeah. Rather than making them feel like they had more freedom, they were terrified. Hmm. They were terrified because the boundaries, you know, had been taken down and they didn't know how to cope with it. What I mean by, and I love that that thought because that's the importance, you know, of boundaries. But the key to this thing of building boundaries without building walls is that we have to give our kids um, those rules. I talk a lot about negotiable and non-negotiable rules. Mm -hmm. We have to have certain rules that are non-negotiable. This is setting those boundaries. For, For instance, with that is PG-13 movies. Okay, PG-13 is not going to be, and of course, I I always have to say now, 10 years ago, I didn't have to say this. Now I have to say this. PG-13, I don't even know about now either. But 10 years ago, or still today, I suppose, PG-13, you know, in my house meant you did not see PG-13 until you were 13 or older. It was never open for discussion. And of course, it did come up when they were 11 and 12 years old because their friends were watching them. And it would come up occasionally. And it was a steadfast rule. It was a rule, and it was called a non-negotiable. And they knew, the boys knew, second, maybe third time they asked, they knew after that, I never got upset, never raised my voice, because I had already determined that that was going to be a boundary. And so it didn't become a wall between us, because it had already been decided it was a boundary, and it was never open for discussion, so there's no argument about it. So we have to have certain non-negotiables that are never to be broken. And when you do that, it can't, again, it can't be too much discipline that you you set up rebellion and and that is um, you know we've been talking a lot about the child-centered parent-centered family the danger in a character-centered family the the one danger that I have I have seen played out that hurts children is when things are so rigid and everything is non-negotiable then that's when you build the walls Right. And you, and you really don't help them become those responsible adults because then they almost become dependable or they mm-hmm. absolutely just rebel from you. Because, That's back to that obedience yeah, thing you said. Being rigid mm-hmm. is just as bad as being so promiscuous with whatever they mm-hmm. want to do. Yes, and it is. And then what happens sometimes in Christian homes, we, we've become yes. so rigid. Yes. And in many ways, there is a middle ground here. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the issue of, of discipline. A lot of times with discipline, people either get too rigid with their discipline or they just let it go. I was talking with a single parent the other day and she was saying, you know, my husband abandoned me. Nobody really likes me. So I really find it hard to discipline my kids with consistency because if I discipline them, I feel like they're not going to like me and they're the last mm-hmm. thing I have. So right. I'm trying to discipline with consistency, mm-hmm. but I'm struggling in that area. Mm-hmm. What, what, what advice would you give right. her? You know, it's a misnomer to think that our children won't like us when we discipline. It's actually... The, the opposite is true. Our children won't like us if we don't discipline them because they're looking to us. They're counting on us to show them boundaries. They're counting on us to show them that safety place, that place like we were talking about those middle school kids. 
lost their safety zone when the walls, when the fences, the boundaries came down. So that's, you know, that's what we need to do. One of my boys said to me one time when I had indulged them foolishly, leaving the store and let them have whatever treat. And then as soon as we got in the car, there was a ruckus and I whipped around. And before I realized what I said, I cannot believe, look at all I do for you. And you're going to talk, you're going to act like this as all parents, I'm sure have said at some point. And one of my very wise sons, they were 10 or 11 years old, looked me right in the eye and he said, mom, you know what? When I'm a dad, I'm going to give my kids less. And I think they'll love me more. Wow. How profound is that? I'll read his book soon. I tell you what, I mean, how profound is that? But yeah. it's so true. When you know, when we give too much and yeah. expect too little, yeah. we're setting them up for a rebellion. That, that, that is that is so true. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you had a phrase in your book that I appreciated. You said, "Shield your treasure from the mm-hmm. trash." What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, the, hey, here we go. That disrespectful world. You know, our treasure is. You know, our children are our treasures. Mm-hmm. And the trash is, you know, the trash of the world. And I know everybody in the world is talking about the mess in the media and mm-hmm. everything else. And, I mean, that's the trash, is it not? And it's from TV to magazines. I mean, you, I was in Barnes, I was in a, a store, say. I, say it, I was in Barnes & Noble one day, and, uh, you know, looking around, and uh, I walked over into the magazine section. And it was in the middle of working on the book, as a matter of fact. And I stood in the middle of the magazine section, and I just stood there a minute in just one spot and I just let my eye scan and I looked from you know every all the way through all the the area and looked through all the magazines I was astounded when I sat there in one long you know look to see every single cover whether it was from the supposed young girl magazines which is I hope our viewers know I hope they know that the teen magazines are actually marketed to 10 year olds they try to make us think that it's for 14 and 16 and up but it's they're marketed to 10 year olds and uh, I sat there and I just made a list I went around and I made a list off the covers the words on the covers that's the trash oh, you know, and it's all trash sometimes i'll take some of the teen magazines mm-hmm. and just show well, i'm speaking to parents i'll just show oh. okay this is what your kids are reading how, how mm-hmm. many of your kids read this thing and i won't show them yet mm-hmm. and they'll go you know like this i'll say well here's this week's right. issue i mean i'll just buy it off the stand mm-hmm. sometimes i'm embarrassed i feel like i i need to put it in oh, a brown paper bag i'm looking to see if anybody from church yeah. is in the, yeah. in the store yeah exactly <laughs> uh another one and, and mm-hmm. I, ju- I just love this phrase uh, teach gratefulness not greediness yes uh, well, here's that self-esteem, self-respect, which I keep saying is really the heart of this mm-hmm. message. I'm trying right. to help us make a paradigm shift here in raising children. We're raising greedy children. I mean, if we're holding the mirror up to them, like I said, which is the self-esteem issue, and all they can see is their own reflection, we're raising greedy children. But we all want grateful children. I'll give your listeners a way to uh, instill the gratefulness rather than the greediness in their children. When uh, you're at the grocery store, And this works with young children as well as older children. When you're at the grocery store and you hit that point at the grocery store, as I foolishly indulged one day, the first thing you have to do is to settle that issue. This is where it starts teaching gratefulness. You settle the issue, no, not today. I know what you may be met with, but if you don't raise your voice, this is another great, great thought for your listeners, is that every time your child raises their voice a decibel, you need to lower yours. And the louder they get, the softer you get, and then they hear you, and you'll actually stop the screaming because they cannot, they can't take it Not if you're not screaming with them. And they get quiet because they have to hear what you're saying, and you're at a whisper. So you're in that difficult situation, and they, you know, have the fit because you've said no. And if you never raise your voice and you just deal with whatever it is, finish what you're doing, take them to the car, take them home, 
and don't engage in it. Don't engage in that battle. You've won because you lose when you engage in the battle. Don't engage in it. Settle that issue first. Get that settled. Then that after you've been through the store a few times without the issue, then say, darling, why don't you know what you want a treat today? Let your child get a treat. But here's the key. They pick out another treat. And if they have their own allowance, they can pay for it. If not, it's okay for you to give them the money. But take that extra two minutes, even if there's a line behind you, take that extra two minutes let them pay for that little candy bar themselves. Give the money, pay for it, and then help them find someone to give it to. And that is the instant, instant, instantly you've let your children, this is joy and happiness, you've let them experience how much greater it feels mm. to give something away than it felt to get it. Yeah. Because when they give that away, the look that comes back to them on this, the expression of someone's face, let that's what warms them on the inside. Exactly. And see, that's the key to building self-respect because it was an other-centered moment in their lives. But what did it do on the inside? Now, did that make them feel good about themselves? I think so. You know, there's a special book that says it's better to give than to receive. There is a and book the, that says and that. And that's a great comment. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. Great Thank advice you so today. much. Joe Glad Rigby. to be here. Joe Rigby with us today, raising respectful children in a disrespectful world. And that concludes part two of Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with Jill Rigby here on the Homeward Broadcast, broadcasting as always from the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University for the fifth consecutive year. The Princeton Review has named APU one of the best colleges in the West in its 2011 Best Colleges rankings. Nice job, guys. And great job, Jim, too. I always love hearing your conversation with Jill Rigby. Uh, she has such practical insight. It's very, very powerful. And yet somehow, in spite of raising boys, she remains so calm in her demeanor, doesn't she? Well, calm. She gets the award for the finest accent we've had That's on right. the program, Roger. Yes. I loved it. Yeah. Neat lady. Yes. And what's neat about it is not just an authority on parenting, but also she did this. Yes. And so it's a great story. And and what I appreciated is the truth, and I think it's so important for all of us to be reminded of this over and over again, that if we want to raise respectful kids, then providing them with a clear set of rules is absolutely essential. And we have to clearly express those rules. Now, rules provide kids with a sense of comfort and a sense of security that they really desperately need. Yeah. They don't desperately want. And there's a difference <laughs> between needs and wants a lot of times. Even though they don't admit it, I think kids actually desire a clear set of rules that are properly enforced. Now, again, they're not walking up to us as parents and saying that, at least my kids aren't. It gives them, I think, some well-defined ways to earn trust. Uh, let me warn you about a way that all of this can backfire. We may have a well-thought-out set of rules that are fair, and we may have clearly communicated these rules to our kids. But if we don't have a loving and connecting relationship with our kids, we're doomed. Like I said earlier, rules without relationship equals rebellion. Let me say it again. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. We can destroy the very thing we are trying to develop in our kids. That's respect. If we try to enforce rules without developing a strong relationship with them. I've found that most kids will respond very well to the rules and boundaries we set for them if they know that we love them and are interested in them and are working for their ultimate good. If you feel like your kids are exhibiting disrespectful attitudes and behaviors and what kids don't at times, then it may do you good to evaluate your relationship with them. Part of the way that you can help them overcome these harmful attitudes and actions may simply be uh, make some time adjustments with them in your relationship. That's great insight, Jim. I've heard you say many times that untended fires soon become a pile of ashes, and that is the same whether we're talking about a marriage relationship or a parent-child relationship, too. So very, very helpful if we want to be that kind of uh, respect teacher to our kids. We want to make sure that we readjust our schedule and spend some time with them. You know, one of the areas that we really need to do a better job of spending time with our kids in is talking to them about the S word 
course, we're talking about stewardship. And Jim got some new resources to share with our listeners that talk about this very important issue. Well, you're right. You know, many parents have the talk with their kids about the dangers of drug and alcohol abuse mm-hmm. or sex and sexuality. Yeah. But when it comes to money, that's one area that sometimes we parents miss altogether. Mm. And we sort of just breeze over that, and yet it's so critical for so many families. Well, many kids only think about money when they need some. Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. Uh, But that's why I'm excited about this brand new group of tip sheets that we've created to help parents and kids in this particular area, stewardship. As parents, we need to be intentional about teaching our kids about stewardship, and then we need the consistency to teach them how to live these principles out, both in our lives and in their lives. These new tip sheets are designed to be conversation starters that you can use with your kids about crucial topics like savings, spending, investing, and even giving. Well, our hats off, as always, to our friends at Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company. Usually they work on real estate investment trusts, but this time they've partnered with us to put together these free tip sheets that uh, help you teach your kids biblical principles about stewardship. To get yours, all you have to do is go to homeward.com keyword steadfast. That's homeward.com keyword S-T-E-A-D-F-A-S-T. Now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.